Good morning. My name is Ron. If I haven't met you, that's who I am. <laughs> and so what I want to do this morning, we're going to be looking at the last chapter in the book of 2 Peter. So 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to be teaching out of the New Living Translation. All the scriptures I'm going to be using are going to be up on the monitor. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you're certainly welcome to do that as well. So the title for this morning's message is, The Day of the Lord is Coming Soon. The Day of the Lord is Coming Soon. Before we get into it, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you have revealed to us who you are, and you've revealed to us the things that you are doing in the earth, in the world today. Lord, thank you that we have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that we get to understand to a greater and deeper way who we are in Christ. And ultimately, we know that, uh, Holy Spirit, you are the one that is teaching us these things. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, just to have your way in our spirit, our soul, our body, our minds, that you would um, just pour into us all the things that we need. Lord, you know our needs better than even we know our needs. And so, Lord, we commit our time to you, we pray, and we, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as we begin, I have a question for you. Here's the question. If you knew that the time of your departure from this earth, that means your death is coming very soon. As your family and friends are gathered around you, what final words do you think that you would like to impart to them? Something very important that you'd like to say before you leave this earth. So for me, I know what I would like to say. As my family and friends are gathered around, I would say, honey, could you please be sure to get the trash can out on Tuesday night because the garbage man comes really early Wednesday morning. And honey, you know how important trash day is to me. That's kind of, that is kind of funny, but uh, trash day is really important to me. I mean, it's like... Get it out. Get it out of here. Where does it go? I don't care. Get it. Get it. Get it. <laughs> Honey, remember that one. Okay? All right. So Peter, in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, basically he's telling us that the reason I'm challenging you and reminding you of th these things is because I'm going to be departing. Our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me, this is in chapter 1 verse 14, that I must soon leave this earth, earthly life, so I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. So who's Peter writing this letter to? So what we look at in chapter 3, in verse 1, verse 8, verse 14, verse 17, he tells us who he's writing to. He says in verse 1, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. And then in verse 8, he used that same term, dear friends, verse 14, my dear friends, verse 17, my dear friends. So who's he talking to? He's saying, you know, the, you're the ones I love. You're the ones, you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, I want to come together and I want to help you. I want to encourage you as you walk with him in these last days. So it's his last word of encouragement and a sober reminder to them of the things that are the most important. I mean, actually, I was joking about the trash thing, but we'd communicate on our deathbed the things that most important. And what things are more important than the eternal truths that God has revealed to us in his word? 
So again, Peter says in verse one, I want to stimulate your mind and refresh your memory. Why? Because we forget a lot of stuff, don't we? For me, I, I try to read through the Bible every year, and so I'm going through books of the Bible, and it's familiar to me, but I'm always amazed how much I forget. And as I read God's word, it's like, oh, that's right. And it's just a reminder, and it's so refreshing to be reminded of, of the things that God reveals to us and speaks to us through his word. He says, Peter says, I want to stir up your mind. I want to awaken your memory about the most important things concerning your walk with God, concerning your relationship with Jesus Christ. So now I'm looking at 2 Peter 3, 2. Peter says, I want you to remember what the holy prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. So as Peter's reminding them, he's saying that there's a pattern in Scripture that goes all the way back to the Old Testament prophets. So if you think of somebody like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, those guys, they lived basically from our context about 2,500 years ago, some longer. I mean, we're going way back. And so Peter's saying, I want to remind you about the things that the prophets spoke about, the things that Jesus spoke about, and the things that he told us as the apostles to speak about. So there's this consistent and compelling message from God to his people. So today that would be he's speaking to you. He's speaking to us, his people. Through the pages of the Bible that we need to discover and that we need to be reminded of. Um, it's interesting, we think about the Bible. I remember when I came to know the Lord and, and I, I bought my first Bible, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, Christian family, I didn't know anything about the Bible. So I get this Bible and somebody said, you need to read this. And I, I really wasn't a reader at the time anyway. And it was the, King, the, the authorized King James Version, you know, which was done in 1611. So I get this thing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. I, I don't know what to do. But, but I opened up the scripture, and, and it was, it's just been amazing. So what you find is there's certain treasures and gems and things that are kind of on the surface. And so we're reading it, and so Lord, help me to understand. And so there's these things that are kind of on the surface. And then as you dig, as you dig, as you mine, as you go deeper... In God's word, it's like there's these, these treasures and riches that are buried that God wants to bring out. I mentioned that because I said a moment ago, it is, there's a consistent and compelling message from God to his people in the pages of the Bible that we need to discover. That's your responsibility. That's our responsibility. We need to be reminded of many things. So this consistent and compelling message was spoken about by the prophets of old, by Jesus Christ himself, and then the apostles. So what is this consistent and compelling message? The message is simply this. Jesus Christ, our Messiah, is coming back again to planet Earth to establish his kingdom. And God is going to bring judgment upon the Earth, upon those who continually and willfully choose to reject him. They will reject his existence, they will reject his love, they will reject his laws, and they will reject his son, Jesus Christ. So Peter wants to open that up to us a little bit. Look with me in verse 3. He says, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. 
So he says, I want to I remind you, first of all, that in the last days, scoffers will come and they're going to mock the truth. They're going to mock what you believe. According to Webster's Dictionary, a scoffer is someone who laughs and speaks about a person or an idea in a way that shows that they think that person or their ideas is stupid and silly. You Christians, you Christians are so out of touch with reality. Jesus is coming back again. Do you know how crazy that sounds? In fact, I think Christians have a mental illness. There's a lot of people that think that about, about you, about me, about us. You believe what? So don't be surprised when you're accused of being out of touch with reality. Uh, Jude spoke about this. Jude chapter 1, verse 17, he said, Beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. And this is not new. Again, if we go back to the time of the Old Testament prophets, we're going to go back to Jeremiah's day, roughly 2,500 years ago. This is what the mockers were saying, the scoffers were saying back then, Jeremiah 5.13. God's prophets are all windbags who don't really speak for him. Let their predictions of disaster fall on themselves. So this is nothing new. So what do we do? We expect the mocking. We expect to be misunderstood. misunderstood. We expect people to scoff at what we believe. These scoffers will say, going back to what Peter said in verse 4, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. You know, you Christians have been saying this for a long time. Jesus is coming back again, really? It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. You can believe what you want. It's not going to happen. Verse 5. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water, and he surrounded it with water. So they deliberately forget certain things that have been revealed in Scripture to us. They willfully forget. They deliberately overlook the fact of creation. So Peter wants to bring this about and remind us about creation. I'm going back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. Now, there's a revolutionary thought, male and female. Hmm. Psalm 33, 6. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. Colossians 1, 16. By him, he's actually speaking, Paul's speaking there about Jesus Christ. By him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, 
and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Literally, what that means, all things are held together. His creation is held together by the power of his word. I know it's shocking to hear. God did not use Darwinian evolution. He did not use natural selection. He did not use eons of time or the survival of the fittest to create the complex world we now live in. He simply spoke the word and all things were created. I realize that you know, brings up a lot of arguments because the whole evolutionary doctrine is, is, is presented as fact pretty much predominantly all throughout our school system, throughout this country. And some may say, well, you know, if you look at the geology and, and you know, it's, it's, it's much older than, you know, than you think. Well, here's my response to that. Isn't it possible that God created the heavens and the earth in its mature fashion when he spoke it into existence? Peter continues in verse 6. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Kind of sounds like our day. Verse 7. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing. All the people, the large animals, the small animals the scur that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made, I'm sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Verse 13. So God has said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Genesis 7:11. When Noah was 600 years old, I know that's hard to believe. On the 17th day of the second month, all the underground waters erupted from the earth and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. Verse 17, for 40 days the floodwaters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. Verse 19, finally the water covered even the highest mountains on the earth, rising more than 22 feet above the highest peaks. Verse 22, everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. I know it's shocking to hear the fossil record and the earth's Geology do not reveal millions upon millions of years of evolution and erosion. Instead, they reveal a cataclysmic event, a worldwide flood that changed everything. Peter continues in verse 7, he says, and by the same word, by God's same word, by God's spoken word, the present, now he's talking about us, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. Remember, God said to the ancient world, I'm not going to bring a flood again to destroy the world. I'm going to give you that rainbow as a symbol of my promise. I will, I will not destroy the earth with water again. Instead, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. So now he's talking about a future event that hasn't happened yet. 
So what is Peter saying here? Verse 10. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Something interesting here. He said the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements will themselves disappear in fire. There's an interesting concept. And scientists are not exactly sure how it is that atoms stay together. And the reason they don't, they're not sure about that is in the nucleus of an atom, there's like charged particles that normally would repel one another. And yet remember a moment ago, we read from Colossians that, that God literally holds things together and in him all things consist. In other words, where the scientists, in fact, what they describe as what's going on inside that, inside that nucleus, they, they call it atomic glue, gluons. In other words, we don't know how or why these particles stayed together. They shouldn't, but they do. So is it possible that, that God will one day just simply say, I'm going to let it go? He says the elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Jesus spoke about this same event in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. I know there's a lot of talk these days about climate change, about global warming, vast sums of money, vast resources are being put towards man's attempt to curtail the effects of global warming. It sounds to me like Peter believes in global warming. The global warming that Peter speaks of is the entire destruction of all that we see around us, the heavens and the earth, by fire. Even as God destroyed the ancient world through a worldwide flood because of the corruption of man and the earth, even so God will one day in the future destroy our world in judgment because of the corruption of man in the earth. Peter continues, verse 8, jumping back a little bit. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. And so we see here the heart of God revealed towards man. God does not want anyone to be judged in this way. But this is where man's free will comes into play. God wants everyone to repent and to be saved from judgment. The sad reality is this. Many will continue to choose to rebel against God rather than submit to God. Peter continues in verse 11. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed 
like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. So that's kind of the reminder, I think, that Peter wanted to give us today is, you know, we're so caught up, I think, in, let's say, global warming, climate change, and I believe in, in being a good steward of the earth, don't get me wrong. But it's, it's truly what Peter's telling, it's all going to burn up. And this is something that we find throughout consistently through the scripture. And so we're preparing, what does that do? That prepares us for eternity. And so there's certain things that we need to look at, certain priorities we need to make sure we have in our lives so that we're ready, so that when that day comes, when the Son of Man returns, we're not going to be caught unprepared. Jesus spoke about this as well. In Luke chapter 21, verse 33, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. He says, but take heed to yourself. And again, he's giving this warning. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, the cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch and pray. So Peter continues, verse 13. He says, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. The apostle John, he was on the island of Patmos and God gave him this revelation of of future events. So one of the revelations John had is, is about this, this idea of God's new creation. We find it in Revelation chapter one, 21 verse 1, then I saw, John speaking here, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. I want to pause there for a moment. If you're an avid surfer, you might find that to be a really a, a bummer, but I want to say whatever God has prepared in the new heaven and the new earth, you're going to have better, your surfing days now, they're going to be far better in the future, whatever that might look like. The sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying, or pain. All things are gone forever. Sounds like a place I want to be. So Peter closes out. I'm going to read a fairly large section, verses 14 through 18. And so, dear friends, so he's concluding these words. While you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives, that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of things, these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of scripture. And this will result in their destruction. I'm warning you ahead of time, dear friends. 
be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. So Peter's giving an encouragement to us here, to all believers. So he's speaking to us here today, and he's saying a few things. Number one, make every effort to live a peaceful life. These are choices we make. The Holy Spirit's at work in our life, but we have to submit to him. We have to allow him to do these things through us and in us. It's not by our own strength that we do these things, but it's really up to us to walk in them. So he says, make every, be a peacemaker. Live a peaceful life. What does that mean? Love people. Be, be quick to forgive people. Don't carry um, unforgiveness and those you know, burdens in your heart. Let them go. Secondly, make every effort to live a blameless life. He doesn't mean a perfect life. But he's saying, you know, make every effort to walk in a way that's pleasing to God. The reality is when we place our faith in Christ, it's as though we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Like this new garment. And in Christ, we're righteous. We, have, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not about us. It's about him. We know who we are in Christ. So we make every effort to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. Number three, he says, be patient. I get impatient sometimes with people and, and with God. Lord, look, look what's going on on the earth right now. You, you should come today. It's like, hold on. I'm being patient because there are still many that are going to be saved. You see, when the Lord returns and all this happens, it's done. So he says, be patient. God is giving people time, time to repent, time to be saved. And here's, here's the reality. He might use you to do that, to help bring someone to Christ. I don't think there's a greater joy in life than to, than to have influence on another person's life where we can share the gospel with them and we can help them come to know what we know, that Jesus Christ is Lord. That we can be saved. We can help someone be saved from the things that he's talking about here today. And then he also says, number four, he says, guard your mind. Guard your mind by knowing God's word. Be a student of the Bible. No matter how long you've known the Lord. No matter how long you've walked with him, just make it your goal every day. I'm going to get up. I'm going to open up the, my, my scripture, my Bible. I'm just going to rediscover all the amazing things that God has, has said. I want, to, I want to come to know who he is in a deeper way and, and what he's doing in the world today and, and who I am in Christ. And that never gets old. I've learned uh, just over the decades, it's, it's like this fresh, just living water. But it's up to us to, to dig and to discover these things. And he says again, guard your mind. Why? Because we can easily get caught up and seduced by all the stuff that the world's saying. All the lies, you know, that come in our way. Just, I, I'm not, I don't want to live in fear. I want to believe, I don't want to put my energy and effort towards, you know, following all the strange things that are out there. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Be a student of the Bible. Now, and finally, Peter says, grow. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because, why? Because we're on a journey. We're walking with God. We're loving him more and more each day. 
So be deliberate about this. That should be our main priority in life. Make knowing him your priority in life. So back to this eternal kingdom that God will establish in the future. Again, the Apostle John, he's giving us a little bit more insight here. He says in Revelation 21, 27, he says, nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You've heard that term before, right? The Lamb's book of life. If you're unsure, maybe you don't know anything about the Lamb's book of life. Kind of the big picture is, you know, God has this, we'll call it a book. I mean, that's the way we kind of perceive it, where if, if you're in Christ, there's your name. And when he establishes his new kingdom, everybody that's going to be allowed into his kingdom are written in this, in this Lamb's book of life. Would you like to know how you can get your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Because it, it's possible that somebody here today or, or watching online, you know, it's like, I hear what you're saying, pastor, but I don't know what to do about it. I'm going to tell you. Would you like to know how to get your name into the Lamb's Book of Life? Number one, you need to believe the gospel. Well, what's the gospel? I don't even know what that is. Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, he describes the gospel to us. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, and here's the gospel sort of in a nutshell, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. Do, do we believe, have you come to believe that Jesus died for you? He went to the cross for you, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day to give you new life. Do you believe that? If you, if you don't believe that, that's okay, but today God is saying to you, today's your day of salvation. And, and then that's not to say that you have to have it all figured out. It's by faith for sure. I don't understand. How is that even possible? But if you would, if you would allow the Lord just a little, a little window into your life, into your heart, he will gladly reveal himself to you. So how can we get our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Believe the gospel. Secondly, call upon the name of the Lord. What does that mean? Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That means there's this deliberate attempt saying to, to God, I don't understand, but I want to believe. Remember the guy that Jesus was walking along and he challenged me, he said, um, I believe, but help my unbelief. There's a lot of areas in life where we, we don't fully understand, but we believe. And we confess that Jesus is Lord. And then Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, what we find in the Bible is there's not like one prayer that we pray, one specific thing. It's just, it's just God honors an open heart that says, Lord, I need you, I want you, I, I need my sins to be forgiven, and I believe Jesus took my sins upon himself on the cross. 
And finally, simply open up the door of your heart and just invite him in. There's that great verse in Revelation 3.20. It says, behold, Jesus speaking here, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he can dine with me. So again, it's up to us. Do you want to open your heart to the Lord or not? God loves you and he wants you part of his kingdom that he's going to be establishing. So we look at that, this, this idea of the Lamb's book of life. It seems to me as we read scripture that there's actually maybe more than one book that God has. One of them for sure is the book of life. But Malachi, there's this interesting revelation in Malachi I want to give to you. And it says this, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. It says, then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other. And the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. And this is what the Lord says. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. I want my name there. I want to talk about the Lord, and he's, he's listening, he's hearing, and, and he's recording our names, our lives, because he loves us so much. Let's pray. Lord, It's a scary thing to think about what's going to happen in the future. But it's not scary if we have hidden ourselves in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us, um, help us to make our priorities right in the time that we have left upon this earth, from now until the time that you return and establish your kingdom. Lord, help us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, Help bring conviction into our hearts and lives in areas where we're, we're just kind of gliding along. Areas where we really need to work on, Lord, speak to us in those areas and help us to have a heart to respond and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, that's what I need. That's what I want. Lord, thank you that you are for us and you're not against us. Thank you that you've given us all that we need in Christ Jesus to live an abundant, victorious life in him so that one day as we stand before you, we can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, thank you so much for how much you love us and have chosen to reveal yourself to us. We thank you and we bless you. We love you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. amen. Let's stand. Let's continue to worship this morning.